Hey everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament, and today we begin Paul's first letter through the Thessalonians. Paul wrote this letter to encourage new believers in their faith, to exhort them to godly living, to give them assurance about the eternal state of believers who had died, and to defend the integrity of his ministry as an apostle. Thessalonica, which is referred to as present-day Thessaloniki, Greece, was the capital of Roman Macedonia. It was on important trade routes, and Paul, twice identified as the author, visited Thessalonica during his second missionary journey, but was forced to flee because of Jewish opposition there. He sent Timothy to work with the large Gentile church there, and Timothy brought him good news of their faith. This is one of Paul's first letters, written most likely between AD 50 and 51, with the second letter very soon following, with likely only the letter to the Galatians boasting an earlier date. So with that little bit of introduction, let's read the first chapter together and make some observations. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers... Loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us. And the Lord, and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul opens the letter with a very uh, general greeting. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Now, Silvanus is merely the Latin name of Silas, uh, who was a prophet of the Jerusalem church, delegated to accompany Paul and Barnabas to Antioch, to deliver the decision of the Jerusalem Council, and ultimately Silas was the one chosen by Paul to be his associate on his second missionary journey after uh, him and Barnabas split over the issue of John Mark. Timothy is the son of a Greek father, a devout Jewish mother, and he was at the time of writing a relative newcomer to the Christian mission, and Paul and Silas had drafted uh, this young but highly regarded disciple to join in their ministry roughly a year earlier uh, in Lystra. And notice the connection here with Christ and the Father. To the church of Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. This points to the unique intimacy between the Father and the Son because the church is is said to be in both. You are in God the Father. You are in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are in both. You are in the triune Godhead. Grace to you and peace. Peace, those gr- glorious realities of what we have 
having been united to God through Christ, right? We have grace from him and we have peace with him. Grace from him, peace with him. And those are the greatest realities of which we ought to celebrate and which drive us to faithful living for him day after day. He then lays out what he often does also by giving thanks for the realities of of what the Thessalonian believers reflect in their daily lives here, right? And he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God three things, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that, that theme there that Paul's already laying out, faith, love, and hope, those glorious realities. So the faith of the Thessalonians was was of chief concern of Paul, and he is saying how their faith is made evident through their love and through their hope. Their love was shown especially in the welcome that they gave to the the travelers, right? And Paul commends their love again in chapters 4, where he says that they are taught by God in their love for one another. And so faith is seen in two realities, love for one another, and lastly, in hope, a steadfastness of hope in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an eschatological hope, an assurance that the Lord Jesus will return to deliver them from their present troubles and from God's coming wrath. Notice there here now in verse 4, he talks about election. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And now notice the argument that that Paul makes for knowing of the nature of their election. What is the assurance of their election based on? Verse 5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. In other words, Paul is not afraid to assure this young, predominantly Gentile congregation that they were elected by God because Paul sees in them the fruit of God's electing grace manifested in their response to the preaching of the gospel in their early progress and sanctification. So one of the greatest ways to know the fruit of your election is seen directly in how you respond to the word of God. Does the word of God come to you in power? Do you feel the Holy Spirit? Does it bring conviction? Does it bring transformation? Does it bring a a life that desires to live fully and completely for the Lord your God? Does it manifest faith, love, and hope in you and through you? If if that's the case, then, then, then that is a fruit of your election and you can have an assurance of salvation in light of that, right? That fruit reveals the work of God in your life. And that 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 scene further uh, and throughout the rest of the chapter here, where Paul talks about how they sought to be imitators of them and ultimately imitators of Jesus Christ. The Spirit plays an especially prominent role in sustaining the believer who undergoes persecution for Christ. Now, Paul is talking about how they are, through their example, they have become an example to all of the believers throughout Macedonia and Achaia, right? Through, that's, that's Greece and Corinth, that the Thessalonian believers have been those whose example can now be seen and shown to others. And the question is, is, does, is that what we want for our life? 
Do we want to be examples who can be a part of that great cloud of witnesses that serves as an encouragement for other believers to look at and to go after, not seeing in us any greatness, but seeing through us a great Christ at work in and through sinners to transform them into his image and to advance his kingdom through them. The In verse 9 through 10, he says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's a beautiful picture of repentance. Turning from idols, turning to God, and now setting our hope upon the, the Son of God who will return from heaven, who God has raised from the dead, and who has indeed delivered us from the wrath of com- wrath to come. So our hope for the reality of his coming is based upon the realities of what he's already done. So our hope in Christ is established by a certainty of what he's already accomplished in his first advent. He has come and he has defeated Satan. He has destroyed death and he has absolutely defeated sin for all those who believe upon him. He has drank the full cup of God's wrath on Calvary for you. If you are in him by faith, if you have turned from your idols by in repentance and turned to the living God, then you can be sure that your sin is forgiven and that you stand in the righteousness of God because the righteousness of Christ himself has been imputed to you on the basis of faith alone. And in light of that, you can live day after day growing in your faith, laboring in love, and remaining steadfast in hope, making sure your election and your calling in Christ Jesus. What a glorious reality the fruits of our life reveal about the root of grace that's been sown in our heart. Election is a powerful and mysterious reality. Yet Paul says it can be known and you can be assured of it by the fruit of your life, the fruit of faith, the fruit of love, the fruit of hope. Is such fruit being harvested in your life today? God bless.